Hello, I'm Charles Cooper, and welcome to Kingdom Alive, a teaching ministry about the soon-coming royal reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. In this session, I continue my series, Disciple, Understanding the Gospel of God. In this lesson, I show that for three years, the Lord Jesus preached a one-point sermon, the gospel of God. Sadly, most think that Jesus only preached the gospel of Christ, when in reality, he preached the gospel of God. Scripture teaches that no one understood what we now call the gospel of Christ until after Jesus rose from the dead. Bibles open, minds engaged. Let's study. Now, the 9 o'clock service is really intended to be a training service. It's a, it's a service to give you depth and appreciation for your Christian life, primarily because you really can't begin to do what God wants to do for you and through you until you get the basics. You've got to have the fundamentals, and there's nothing more fundamental to the faith than your belief that you are in the faith, that you have the relationship with God that he desires, which means you have been made the righteousness of God. Now, it's incredible to me that there are many Christians who simply don't understand this part of the Christian faith. They struggle. They, my grandmother, until she died, my great-grandmother, she if you ask her, are you going to heaven when you die, she would say, I hope so. If the Lord takes me. Well, there ought to be a certainty based on your faith in God's word. Unfortunately, we try to rationalize it to the point where we want to have a blanket statement and that's it. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But righteousness is acquired by faith. It is, it is not a one and done. It is a faith that goes to the day you die. It is a trusting, it is an enablement of God. Now, by the way, I, um, I got usually once a year, maybe twice a year, I'll have a sinus when the weather is changing. It gets really bad. So I didn't feel well for two or three days, really didn't feel good at all, and um, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to produce the um, cleft notes for you. I will. I'll get to it, I promise, um, as I get back to feeling my best. But anyway, um, how many conditions are there in order for you to receive the righteousness of God. How many conditions are there? One. Now, that's got to be, I mean, if you have to write stuff on your hand to remember it, then write it on your hand. If you have to write it on the back of your arm or you want a tattoo, um, write one. There's only one. One condition for you to receive the righteousness of God. There's only one. 
And what is it? Faith. Believe the promise. You have to believe the promise. Okay? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed one promise. Multifaceted, but it's one promise. Salvation is the same way, or righteousness. So, if you read in the Bible, and it tells you a condition to do something, and that condition is not faith alone, then the text is not talking about what? Yes. You got to keep it simple, people, because otherwise there's going to be confusion. Now, let me show you what I mean. Here is the uh, text in um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, okay? So if it's Matthew 5, 13, he says, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Now, the context, he is describing how you acquire a list. It's a laundry list of stuff. It starts in chapter 5, and he's telling you how to, how to become a person that is um, commendable. Okay. How, how do you become a person that God commends? What I call commendables. Now, chapter 5 of Matthew starts off with a list of commendables. People who can have absolute assurance that God will commend them in the future. And every one of us in here should be committed to becoming a commendable. By the way, this summer we're going to do a series on the Beatitudes. There are nine of them, and the nine Beatitudes correspond to the nine commendables. In fact, they're one-to-one. Okay? So we're going to talk about that, but he says, if you want to be a commendable, he says, blessed are the, and then he goes through a laundry list. The word blessed there means commendable. Blessed are the commendables. These are the individuals that God will commend for how they live their lives. Now he explains to you how to acquire commendability. Okay? And he says here, seek first. Now, the word first is a little deceptive here because it doesn't mean uh, seek first the kingdom of God and then second, seek the righteousness of God. That's not how you read this. He, he's saying your, your first order of business ought to be to acquire uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's number one on your laundry list. 
And as a result, all these things will be provided for you. Now, just by reading that, that ought to tell you that he's talking about something different than what we think. That he's not talking about, it, it should, the first thing that should jump in your head is that you understand he is not talking about um, salvation. Why? It's more than one condition. Now, if, if he had said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and it will be provided for you, you might have a case. But it doesn't say it. It says all these things, plural, all of what? Well, his whole list of stuff that he's been trying to get you to believe that you can have if and only if you get that. Second slide. So he says, Abraham believed the Lord and he created it. it. He credited it to him as righteousness. Now there, it is one. Abraham believed the Lord and he, that is God, credited it to him as righteousness. It, the righteousness of God. So how do you receive the righteousness of God? You get it by faith. No other way. There is no if and buts about it. There ain't no um, possibilities, no backups, no, no ifs, no duts, no twans, no whys, no dries. Simple as it can be. Yet people don't believe this. Now, we got a problem here. Next slide. Uh, I should have bought my clicker. Um, the first thing we got to do is we got to ask the question of what is the kingdom of God? Because he just told you that your first line of business ought to be to acquire it. You want it. You want it. You want the kingdom of God. Seek it. Okay, so he says, first question we got to answer then is what is the kingdom of God? Question number one. Question number two, how does one find it? How do you find the kingdom of God? If you got to go seeking for it, Horisco, to find, we, we get our word eureka from the Greek word to find. So when you find it, you say eureka, which means I found it. So he, how, how then? Now, that, whatever the kingdom of God is, there's a problem. Okay, let me show you what the problem is. Go to the next one. He says, there are multiple conditionalities. This is a new word I want you to come for me with, conditional. Conditionality. Because there are lots of them. I'm going to show you seven. If there are seven, then we know we got a problem. You understand? Now, what I'm going to teach you, class, I'm going to blow you away. And you're going to have to remind yourself, you're going to have to constantly come back to the bottom line, which is salvation is by grace through faith alone. I received righteousness by faith in the promise. Anything else that's conditional has to do with something else. It can't, okay? Paul, 
is our teacher, and he's going to instruct us on them. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, on the line, made many disciples, which comes right out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. They made disciples. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, so they were made disciples, okay? They returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith. They... they, the assumption, Paul's assumption is they're in the faith, they, they swore allegiance, okay? they committed to follow Christ. So he is encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if I've taught you, and if you caught what I'm saying, then you should see that's a problem. You know, that's a problem. Because either <coughs> it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, he just told you to seek the kingdom of God. Now he's telling you that you got to go through suffering to get it. That should, there should be bells going off in your head because warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson, danger, danger, because he just told you something that puts a condition on entering the kingdom. Whatever the kingdom is, it ain't salvation. Can't be. It is necessary. It is a must. It is a divine. The word necessary day means decree. It is a divine decree. It's part of God's divine order. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So he tells you, number one, right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, that to enter the kingdom of God, you have to suffer. And he didn't say just a little either. We get our word mega from the word many. Mega comes from the Greek word megalos. Much, much, much. A whole heap of bunch is the way my grandmother would have said it. So he says, number one, in order to enter, you, you have to suffer to enter. That's condition number one. Number two, Paul, Jesus writes in Matthew 21, 43, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. Jesus is talking to the Pharisaic leadership. They have rejected his teaching of how to become part of the kingdom of God, and Jesus tells them that the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and given to somebody else. 
So condition number two says that it can be lost. Now, if you're a good Arminian, this is no problem for you. You believe you can lose your salvation anyway. If you don't believe that, then you got a problem because if you can lose it, then it has to be something that is losable based on your works. Number three, he's going to tell us, Matthew, Mark chapter 10, verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, the text says impossible. It's impossible. This is frightening to me because he puts a condition here. He says entrance to enter the kingdom of God, wealth is a major stopper for those who are wealthy. Listen, friend, you don't understand how dramatic. By the way, if you read the context, the disciples caught it. When Jesus said this, they blew him away. They, the goal of everybody's life is to be, become wealthy, and Jesus says wealth is the number one disqualifier. Well, now, most people don't understand why he's saying this because they think it's about the money. It's not about the money. See, Jesus expects you to be a conduit. He wants to pour it through you. That's not the problem. See, the problem is not having. The problem is, the, is that you got a stopper on the other end of the conduit. That's why he's saying this. You get, it's very easy to start worshiping the wealth instead of the God who gave it to you. But I have to teach that some other time. Anyway, so this is condition number four. He says here yeah, that you need to understand that to enter the kingdom de demands, requires undiluted devotion. So it's extremely difficult for the rich. Don't, don't worry, He's ha he has for others as well. You don't, don't get excited. Oh, oh, yeah, boy, you'll beat up on. No, you just keep reading. Because number four, he says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. So condition number four is that it can be inherited, and but you can be disqualified from your inheritance. You could be disqualified. Because it is, God built this system on the Jewish system of the firstborn. As a firstborn son, you receive certain rights and certain inheritance as the firstborn. And Jesus is the firstborn son of God. And he has made that firstborn inheritance ours as well. So he says to them, listen, if you can inherit it, you can be disinherited. You can lose it, obviously, because he just told the Pharisees that they had lost it. You have to suffer to get in it. Number five, it's not done yet. He says, it is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also are suffering. He's talking to Thessalonians. 
He's telling the Thessalonians that in order to enter the kingdom, you must be worthy. One of the ways you become worthy is through suffering. So to enter the kingdom, you must be worthy. Okay? That's condition number five. We're already up to five. Got to suffer to enter. You can lose it. Therefore, you must work to keep it. It is difficult for the rich. You could be in disinherited, Esau. You must be worthy to enter it, of which the Thessalonians were, were. They were worthy because they suffered. Number six, he's not done yet. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. By the way, this is the only one of the seven that tells you that salvation is necessary. It's one of the conditions. That's what he means by born of the Spirit. To be born of the water and of the Spirit means that you must have repented, John the Baptist, and you must receive the Spirit, Jesus. So both the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus Repentance and belief, necessary conditions for entering the kingdom of God. Now that should tell you right there that entering the kingdom of God is not the same thing as salvation because salvation is a condition of entrance. You have to be born of water and spirit. And people get this all confused and they run off and start talking about, oh, you got to be baptized in order to go to heaven when you die. <laughs> because everything is formula. See, they make everything formulatic. Everything is a formula. A, B, C, when it is by faith alone. That's not what John's talking about. John is saying, I just, I just left the baptism of John the Baptist who says, be baptized for the remission, for the washing away, for the release from your sin. So he says you got to be born of water and of the spirit. And then, of course, we had one more as we began this section. We looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. You got to seek the kingdom first. You got to seek it. You have to seek the kingdom in order for it to come to you. In order for you to find it. So there are seven. Now you need to write these down. Because I guarantee you, you're going to have to teach people over and over again. Because people get these confused because they have been confused. The church has done a very bad job of confusing people. When you take a sanctification passage and you make it a salvation passage, you're going to get confusion. When you take a sanctification passage and make it a salvation passage, people get confused. Do you know that's why we have a doctrine called Arminianism? Is because they confuse the two. That whole doctrine is based on the confusion 
between passages that have to do with sanctification, which you must work for, and salvation, which you must believe to receive. Confusion, doctrinal oblivion. So you ask people, well, how, what is the relationship between works and salvation? Well, a good Arminian would say that you have to work to get it. A good Calvinist would say you have to work to keep it. Evangelical conservatives say you have to work to prove it. None of those are true. You don't have to work to get it. You don't have to work to keep it. And your works don't prove it. Works is an expectation of salvation. As the word of God says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul says, created unto good works. You were brought into salvation for good works. Now you say, well, why is all this important? Because God sent Jesus to make you a disciple in order for you to inherit the kingdom. It's the whole goal of your life. Nothing else is important. Nothing else is important. Everything else is corollary, tendential. Everything else is an appendage hanging off of your life. Your every, nothing else matters. Of course, God is concerned right now than your entrance into his kingdom. Entrance into his kingdom does not mean what you think it means. Which is why there's so much confusion over this. God has no doubt about who's, who's saved or who's going to be saved. God knows, God knows all that. I can tell you one thing that's uncertain for you is whether or not you're going to have earned the right to enter the kingdom or not. And it is the goal of life. Nothing else matters. In fact, you're going to find out it is so critical. It should be so critical to you that you're willing to die for it. You don't have to die to be saved. In fact, dying does not guarantee your salvation at all. But dying for the cause of Christ ensures entrance. In fact, if you want the short cleft note version, go die. Go die for the cause. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven conditions. So how many conditions are necessary in order for you to receive righteousness? A question that you should be able to answer. How many conditions to receive the righteousness of God? You got to be a one-year-old for this one. Say mommy. Say mommy. Dad, dad. 
which every good mama will say, no, say mama first, not dad dad. There's only one, and it's faith, faith alone. Faith alone. The last time I was in Africa teaching, it was amazing to me. Confusion galore. Because they had been taught incorrectly. There is only one condition for righteousness of God, and it is faith alone. Faith in the promise. For Abraham, it was that God was going to give him a generation of of kids who would fill the sky. For us, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Believe the promise. Now, how many conditions are there for enter the kingdom of God? Fact of the matter is, there are many. There are many, and every one of them is super critical. Unfortunately, because we didn't pay attention to the context, people started assuming that to enter the kingdom of God is equal to salvation. And because they made this confusion, there are people trying to work their way to heaven by being good, by giving money, by going to church. There are many people who believe that they're going to heaven because they've been good. And that's, that's rather tragic, really. It really is. Equally tragic are those who are just absolutely convinced that they have done something so bad that they can't go. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many people that I've had to spend hours with trying to convince them that they have not committed the unpardonable sin. It's amazing. Everybody else can go, but I can't go because I've committed the unpardonable sin. What do you mean you've committed the unpardonable sin? How do you know you've committed the unpardonable sin? The Bible says the unpardonable sin is unforgivable. I can't be saved. Who told you that? But there are people who who believe that they're so bad they can't go to heaven. Of course, there are some who think they're so good that they can go nowhere else but to heaven. Neither, none. The, what, I, what I want for your church and for I want for our church, we, we're coming to a community where we're going to try to give people the good news of the gospel. You need to know the walls that we have to tear down to do this. For us, we have to tear down this attitude that they are victims. We've got to tear down this nonsense that God has come to give them everything they've ever wanted that he wants to make them prosperous, that all they got to do is stand up and speak as though it exists, though it may not, and it'll come into existence. That all of this stuff that they're being taught in order to try to get them to go to church, a church, foolish nonsense. Seven conditions of entering the kingdom of God, therefore, 
the most important thing that we got to do, most important thing I got to do as your pastor is to tell you, to teach you clearly what is the kingdom of God. Because it's got to be something so different than what we've thought it was because it's too condition driven. It's totally condition driven. And God expects it, wants it. It's the only thing the Apostle Paul was not certain of. He was not certain of his entrance into the kingdom of God. In fact, he said on, on one occasion, his great, his great fear was that while he, pro, while he preached and taught others, that he himself would be disqualified. If Paul had doubts, I'm not sure I'm able to get up out of bed in the morning. Because I, if, if Paul is walking around spitting and sputtering, I don't know if I have any, I don't know if I have any hope or not. We're disciples, and a disciple has one goal and one goal only. A disciple is trying to be like his master, period. It is enough for a disciple that he become like his master. That's what Jesus said. What I want to do for you is to put it on the record so that you can Think every day of your life about this one goal and one objective. It's more important than your work. It's more important than your family. It's more important. It's more important than anything. Your work is, an, is a conduit that God will use to help you get there. Your family is a conduit that God will use to help you get there. Your health is a conduit that God will use to help you get there. Everything that God allows to come down the one-way street of your life is there in order to help you become worthy. So whatever you're suffering, whatever you're going through, whatever hardship, whatever disappointment, whatever doubts, whatever emotional, psychological frustrations that you're having in your life right now, and you can make a list, Whatever they are, they are avenues that God has allowed to flow into your life so that you would be found worthy to enter. Now, you can short-circuit the process. You can get mad. You can spend a lot of time complaining. You can spend a lot of time rejecting, running away from, denying, not wanting. You can spend a lot of time asking the question, who sinned that I was born this way? Or you can take it as what God intended it to be, fertilizer on your life to produce the outcome that he so desperately wants for you, which is for you to sit on a throne beside his son ruling. It is not automatic. You don't get it just because you are you. You get it because you paid the price.
thanks to each of you for joining me in this study. Visit KingdomAlive.us. That's www.KingdomAlive.us for more information. Please tell a friend and join us next time. Until then, train to reign.